Thank you for joining us as we bring you this worship service of 7th Avenue Presbyterian Church. Our readings this morning are from the 50th Psalm, verses 1 through 6, and from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 9, verses 2 through 9. The Reverend Sharon Huey is preaching. Her sermon is titled, Listen. You'll find the link to our complete announcements in your email. Here are a few highlights. This Wednesday, the 17th, marks the beginning of Lent. We will have a meditative Ash Wednesday service at 7.30 p.m. via Zoom. We are having to be a little creative this year for the imposition of ashes, so we'll be inviting you to use the soot from an extinguished candle with a particularly smudgy wick. We encourage you to have a candle prepared and to test it out ahead of time, being careful to wait long enough after blowing out the flame so as not to burn yourself. And if you don't have a candle, not to worry. Please know you are still welcome to join us. As part of our commitment to dismantling structural racism, the 7th Avenue Mission team is launching a monthly anti-racism workshop. These meetings will be an opportunity to learn about some of the key concepts of anti-racism and to share resources and thoughts on our own anti-racism journeys with each other. Please join us for our kickoff Zoom meeting this Thursday, the 18th at 7 p.m. And next Sunday, the 21st, join us for Perspectives at 11.30 a.m. The Reverend Robin Crawford will be leading a two-part class on stress and how in this upcoming season of Lent, we might fast from unhelpful fear. And now in preparation for worship, you're invited to quiet yourself, becoming still as you prepare to worship God. We are called to the mountain to receive the promise and light of God. We are called to the mountain to be reminded our center is found in the midst of our community. We are called to the mountain to listen to the voice of wisdom and so transform the world. Let us worship God. Alleluia. Amen.
pray. God of grace, you call us to participate in your wondrous works, and often we hesitate, believing we are not enough. When we turn from the truth of who we are and who you are, forgive us, lift us from our fears, and embolden us to live openly as your people. Transfigure us to be a people of hope. And now, in silence, we continue in prayer to you. From the mountaintop, we gain perspective of life in the valley. From the mountaintop, we gain glimpses of a new heaven and earth. From the mountaintop, we receive the affirmation, it is well we are here. From the mountaintop, we hear the promise, we are God's beloved, with whom God is well pleased. Through the power of the Spirit and the love of God, we are forgiven, loved, and set free. Amen.
reading from the 50th Psalm, beginning with the first verse. In preparation to hear these words, let us pray. Holy One, as we hear these ancient words, may we hear your word for us this day. Amen. The Mighty One, God, the Holy One, speaks and summons the earth from the rising of the sun to its setting. Out of Zion, the perfection of beauty, God shines forth. Our God comes and does not keep silence. Before God is a devouring fire and a mighty tempest all around. The Holy One calls to the heavens above and to the earth that God may judge God's people. Gather to me my faithful ones who made a covenant with me by sacrifice. The heavens declare God's righteousness for God's self is judge. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Thanks be to God. A reading from the Gospel of Mark, the ninth chapter, beginning with the second verse. Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John and led them up a high mountain apart by themselves. 
and he was transfigured before them. And his clothes became dazzling white, such as no one on earth could bleach them. And there appeared before them Elijah with Moses, who were talking with Jesus. Then Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what to say, for they were terrified. Then a cloud overshadowed them, and from the cloud there came a voice. This is my son, the beloved. Listen to him. Suddenly, when they looked around, they saw no one with them anymore, but only Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, he ordered them to tell no one about what they had seen until after the Son of Man had risen from the dead. Here ends the reading. I am a sucker for before and after stories. Those stories of transformation that tell us that change is possible. The miracle that happens when the awkward, chubby caterpillar, earthbound on its many legs, becomes the gorgeous butterfly, flying in full flutter from flower to flower, nothing at all like its former self. Or that little seed embedded in dirt, which cracked open sprouts a tendril, which turns into a stem, which grows leaves which carry the sweet strawberries you eat at breakfast. And of course, there are the human before and after stories. Is there anything more powerful in the human experience than the hope we carry that change is possible? I think of a white pastor I heard recently, a man of some national reputation and prominence, speaking at a conference on race and the church. Now clearly, there's so much work to do around the church's role in racist structures and what must be done about this, all of which he could acknowledge. But rather than point to the problems out there in society or in the church at large, he started local with himself. He began the seminar simply by saying, I don't just want my consciousness raised. I want a different life. I want to be free. That is someone who is ready for change. Today is Transfiguration Sunday, the last Sunday before we head into the season of Lent. Transfiguration Sunday is a kind of bridge into Lent, a way to approach the season before we actually enter it. So before we hear Jesus invite his disciples to journey with him to the cross, before we're led into the darkness of that path, we're given this strange story in which Jesus himself is changed. He's metamorphosed, lit up from the inside and radiating out this glorious light shining from his white robe. Still recognizably Jesus, 
still profoundly human, but more fully himself, if that makes sense. Well, it doesn't. It can't. There aren't words for what Peter, James, and John are experiencing on this mountain. Because for one thing, along with the shining Jesus who has never looked so good, Elijah and Moses are there too. The two great prophets of Israel. Two men who also had mountaintop experiences in which they met God face to face and were never the same. Two towering figures of Israel's history who had raised messianic hopes and reminded the people of God that they were headed for a glorious destiny. God was going to bring this about. God was going to usher it all in, toppling their oppressors in the process. Ooh, you can almost feel the disciples' hopes rise as they take in the scene and breathe in all the glory. It's inauguration day. A change is going to come. Elijah and Moses are on this mountain with Jesus, these greats on stage together after all these years, as if the Beatles and the Supremes and Santana all got together in the best reunion tour you could ever imagine. Ready to play again the people of God's greatest hits. It's all too much for Peter. He's bursting with thoughts. Not great thoughts, but Peter being Peter, he expresses them anyway. Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let's build each of you a house to live in. We can make this a permanent arrangement. Wouldn't that be great? Peter's inclination like mine and maybe yours too, is to hold on to a good thing, enshrine all this beautiful clarity, build a monument to what has got to be the mountaintop of all mountaintop experiences. We've arrived. We are here. It just doesn't get any better than this. And then suddenly, as if to keep Peter from chattering anymore, a cloud envelops them. If the Jesus light show was scary, this thick, disorienting cloud is even more frightening. The lights go out. All the clarity is gone. The disciples are stunned and paralyzed, sure that they are in mortal danger. But in that space of terrifying uncertainty, Peter and his friends have a chance to receive what this moment is about. Not just Jesus' transformation, but theirs. Because from the cloud, a voice speaks, echoing those words spoken at Jesus' baptism at the beginning of his ministry when the promises for newness were fresh, when following Jesus was adventurous, when the good news seemed truly good, 
Now, at this point, the voice of the Holy One comes again in the middle of Jesus' ministry. After these disciples have been following Jesus for a while, when maybe their enthusiasm is flagging, when they're seeing more pushback from the religious authorities, when, in a strange turn, the unclean spirits recognize Jesus' authority, but the hometown folks take offense at him. When the disciples have to notice their own growing disappointment with the Messiah, perhaps imagining more shock and awe and making their nation great again, whereas Jesus is telling them stories about mustard seeds and lost coins, even holding up a little child to train them in what the kingdom of God is like. What is happening for these disciples? What are they doing with all their bewilderment, with this one they have left everything to follow? Is this why the voice speaks? From the cloud, the voice of God speaks a word of invitation into their confusion. This is my son, the beloved. Listen to him. And then, suddenly again, the cloud lifts and only Jesus is left standing with them. Listen to Jesus. Listen to Jesus. What's Jesus been saying? Just six days prior to the scene on the mountain, the gospel writer Mark says, Jesus began to teach them. Of course, we know he's been teaching them all along. But there's an intensity now to his teaching, a sharper focus and urgency. Mark says, Jesus began to teach them that the Son of Humanity must undergo great suffering and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes, and be killed, and after three days rise again. Those were the very words that got such a big reaction out of Peter, because in his mind, no Messiah worth following gets crushed like this. Messiahs do the crushing. They do not get crushed, or so he assumes. Peter is certain he knows where this Jesus story is going. So it's no wonder that six days later on the mountain, the word to the disciples is, listen. Listen to Jesus. Listen even if you don't understand Listen even though his words provoke. Listen even if listening takes you to places with Jesus you could not have dreamed of on your own. Listen and be changed. Let your knowing turn to unknowing. Let certainty give way to mystery and to the questions you can live inside of and to a deeper abiding. Listen 
Peter. Listen, disciples. Listen, 7th Avenue Presbyterian Church. And I say this to myself too. Listen. Stay close to these words of Jesus. For all of us who are pretty sure that pursuing God has to do with ascending mountains and rising out of our humanity and reaching for spiritual excellence so that we might see the face of God, listen to how God in Jesus Christ descends. Descends into the valley of the shadow of death where we are all living these days. That is the Messiah trajectory. Not up, but down. If Jesus ascends anything, it is a cross. See, the movement of the incarnate God is always down. He descends, plunging all the way down into the deepest, most profound depths we humans could ever experience. Suffering, rejection, violence, in complete solidarity with us. Brothers and sisters, we are never alone in these dark places. Christ has been there, and he is still there with us. And he is with us not in judgment, but compassion. Not with accusation, but with healing. Not with divine protection covering up his humanity, but as one who has experienced human vulnerability in every way, choosing against every temptation to surpass his humanity, choosing instead to live fully into it, all of it, with steady trust in God. And in doing this, he shows us the way to becoming human, making that path holy. That is where the dwelling of God is, among mortals, among the broken. I'm sure you have heard of the Archbishop Oscar Romero, We remember him as this courageous man who denounced the atrocities committed by the military in the tumultuous years before El Salvador's bitter civil war. We know him as the powerful prophet who was murdered by the right-wing military while praying the Mass in the Chapel of Divine Providence on March 24, 1980. What we might not know was that he was not always so courageous, but had the reputation of being a rather bookish, cautious priest who worried that the church was becoming too political as it stood with the poor. In his early years as a priest, he did not speak out against the harsh treatment of the campesinos, the farm laborers. His was a gradual transformation, a change which involved staying close to the words of Jesus and staying close to the pain of the people he served. It didn't happen all at once, but gradually he began to see the image of the crucified Christ 
in the faces of his congregation. This is how he describes his own transformation when he was once asked, Have you changed? He says this, I was born into a poor family. I have suffered hunger. I know what it's like to work from the time you are a little kid. When I went to seminary and started my studies, and they sent me to finish studying here in Rome, I spent years and years absorbed in my books, and I started to forget where I came from. I started creating another world. When I went back to El Salvador, they made me the bishop's secretary in San Miguel. I was a parish priest there for 23 years, but I was still buried in paperwork. Then they sent me to Santiago de Maria, and I ran into extreme poverty again. Those children that were dying just because of the water they were drinking. Those campesinos killing themselves with hard labor in the harvests. Yes, I have changed, but I have also come back home again. Sisters and brothers, listen to Jesus. The familiar words, the difficult words, even the words from Jesus that seem too good to be true. You really are beloved. You really are meant to be free and healed and whole. You really can be made new. Listen to Jesus' words even when they seem to bring you to the end of yourself, only to return you home again. Listen to Jesus' words even when they rattle your old imperial image of what the kingdom is like, with all of its neon glory, one shiny object after another. The kingdom of God really is like a mustard seed humble and small, like a child is, like Jesus is, like we can be, as we are all changed into the likeness of Christ. Amen. We believe in God, who invites us to transform our lives by being attentive to the mysteries around us. We believe in Christ, who challenges us to listen and speak, to hold a posture of acceptance and let go of judgment. We believe in Spirit, who beckons us to leave the mountain and live in the valleys, thus transfiguring our lives and the world. This we believe. Amen.
Let us pray. God of incarnation, we give you thanks for the beauty of creation, for chubby caterpillars transforming into delicate butterflies, for the smallest of seeds growing into breakfast strawberries, red and sweet. Living and growing in the valley of creation, we pray that we might embrace our own transformation as we welcome more fully our being human. Listen in us for our healing. Listen in us for our compassion. Listen in us for our vulnerability. That we might also attend to the new life emerging there. Give us courage to take challenging paths, that we might be free to live finally at home in ourselves and with one another. Be with those in need of courage and wisdom in our nation's capital and in our local communities. When drawn toward the pinnacle of prestige, remind us we were always already enough. Help us feel again the dignity of doing the work of the valley, humble, truth-telling work, and so be able to shake off what is dead and be free to live into the green shoots of life. Even as we do internal work, we pray that we might find concrete ways to show up for one another, building a bridge to those in need of safety who have been targeted with acts of violence in our own city. We pray for their protection and for our collective response that the violence would stop and that our Asian American elders would be honored and cherished. We pray for our 7th Avenue community. Be with those recovering from surgery, those in the midst of discernment, those anticipating the birth of a new baby. And with each of us, be in the stirring of our hearts. And now in silence, we continue in prayer to you. We make this prayer in the name of the one who taught us to pray, saying, Our God, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. 
and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
As you go forth this day, listen. Let your knowing turn to unknowing. Let certainty give way to mystery and to the questions you can live inside of. Listen and be changed. Listen and come back home again. Listen. And may the grace of God who created you in love, the peace of Christ who teaches it is possible to be love, and the power of the Spirit who calls you ever forward into new experiences of love be and abide with you this day, this week, and evermore. Amen. Mm-hmm.